Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Durhaj. Hi, everyone. It's uh, Roxanne Durhodge of The Authentic uh, Living with Roxanne. Uh, this week, I have a colleague, uh, Sharon Babineau, with me. Uh, Sharon is has um, mindfulness specialty, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, that. So, Sharon, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Thank you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a bit about uh, Sharon's background, which is quite extensive and uh, you know, I think the bio oftentimes does not do the guest uh, justice because there's so much um, that uh, oftentimes people have done. So uh, Sharon's a corporate wellness facilitator. She's a decorated uh, military soldier and an inspirational speaker. And also she, she's a TEDx speaker and she's also an author. Um, she has a uh, trained in mindfulness and she's a mindfulness expert and has been do, doing this work, uh, I would say for decades now. And so she was on a path to um, learning about self-care because she unfortunately had two significant losses with her husband and her daughter um, to illnesses that really kind of put her on that path. And um, she's been um, involved with um, the University of Toronto continuing ed um, with their mindfulness uh, program there, and um, the Applied Mindfulness Mediation Program, and she's also co-facilitated several courses. And I know mindfulness is something that uh, in corporate um, uh, North America, it's something that we're constantly trying to find um, new perspectives on it and how it can help us uh, stay focused and obviously more productive and more connected. So Sharon, thanks so much for coming on to share your expertise. Thank you. Yes. Delighted. So let's, let's just kind of jump right into it and um, talk about kind of your path on mindfulness. And uh, because like I said, so much of, I know with you as a, a keynote speaker and myself, that's something that is often asked for by companies now. So kind of share with us your path and how you kind of got involved where you're, you're um, kind of steeped in mindfulness today. Yeah. So, um, well, I definitely have to go, Back to the personal side, uh, where my journey started was uh, after the loss of my daughter, Maddie. Um, so she was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 12 and battled it bravely for three years. But um, sadly, we lost her at the age of 15 at a much too young age to, to lose any child. And one of the things that uh, she left as a personal legacy to me was a promise that um, I had to make to her, and that was to be happy, you know, to be happy after she passed. And for me, that was something that just seemed absolutely impossible. Like, how could, how could I be happy? How could I even get up the next day? And it was something that really challenged me. Um, and I, 
I intuitively, I guess, you know, started to just try to find things that I was grateful for. So every morning I'd get up and sometimes it's like slim pickings. There wasn't a lot going on in my life. I'd lost my job, lost my husband, my daughter, but I had my son and my son needed a mom who was happy. And so I, I just knew I had to figure out what this new happiness would look like. And so that started with a little bit of meditation every day, just finding gratitude, finding gratitude uh, for him, for myself, for the, the beautiful experiences I'd had with my daughter, with my husband, the lessons learned. And um, from there, it, I wanted to make them proud, really. And how can I get back into, in, into the world again and be productive and I, I came across a woman who was teaching a mindfulness class. And so, I mean, I, I took her class. Uh, there's a part of me, because I'm a soldier, that, you know, was always worried there was a bit of woo-woo to it. But, you know, I, I still learned that there's science that backs everything that, that, uh, that mindfulness shares. And, and so I started meditating, and I started working on my mind. The biggest part of that was, you know, bringing um, a positive mindset. Uh, into into my day-to-day -day life and what I learned was it's something that you know for some of us it doesn't happen naturally because we've overcome many many challenges in our lives so um, you know just practicing every day studying started reading books and um, it, well that was where the path started so and then studying that's the big part yes so for the average person that may not understand mindfulness and you, you know, on the media and you'll hear lots of things about define mindfulness as best as you can for say someone that maybe has never kind of got the concept. How, how would you define it? Okay. So mindfulness is paying attention in the present moment on purpose and without judgment. Hmm. And so, I mean, that's a lot to unpack, but it's really about really being present. So not being uh, thrown in the past of all our worries, not being focused on the what ifs that are coming up in the future and just really having that presence in the moment, giving full attention, not wishing things were another way. Um, yeah, I think maybe that, does that help? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So, you know, I often think that when things are going really well for us, it's really kind of easy to apply those concepts, right? You know, um, but when you're talking about something as, as devastating as losing, um, you know, a husband and a child and, mm -hmm. um, and you know, you're looking at, at cancer, that was the, what she had died of, that's pretty, you know, tough, you know, when you see someone kind of go through that process. So how did you start to apply some of these things? Cause I'm thinking you're grieving, you're in the throes of it, yeah. Sharon, like, you know, you know, and I, I can think of in my years of dealing with people that have gone through grief, it's hard to sometimes get out of bed, much less, you know, brush your hair and make sure, you know, everything's done. Right. Cause you're in that deep state of, of, of mourning. Yeah. How, how do you start to, how did you start to, or maybe what are some of the things people could start doing um, 
regardless of the maybe the morning state that they're in okay um well i mean grief is something that you know can't be rushed we know that it's a process that we go through and some of the mindfulness techniques i just found really really helped and i'll, I'll give you a, uh, one example there was one day about three months after maddie passed away and my son came out and asked me um, if it was okay for him to go out and play. And, you know, I was a little surprised. I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? And he's like, well, mom, you're so sad. I don't want to leave you alone. And it was in that moment that I understood what my, what my daughter said when she asked me to, um, to be happy because my son needed somebody to be happy. And so that day I said to him, um, no, no, I'm okay, go out and play. And don't, don't worry, I'm gonna be fine. And as I sent him out, I shut that door. And in that moment, I literally for the first time and this soldier warrior with all her armor went down on her knees and said, I want to surrender. I want to surrender all these arrows that are pierced in my heart that are causing so much grief, the shame, the blame, the, the wishing things were different. And um, sometimes some of those arrows, like we put them in ourselves. And so we're the only ones who could take them out. So there was this sort of sense of just wanting some freedom to, to you know, um, to, to surrender. And I guess which is such a strange word for me, you know, to, to say, I can, oh, I can surrender this and let it go. And, and that, I think, really opened the doors. And, and so that's when, you know, again, the studying of the mindfulness came up. And, um, and so I would say, um, how is mindfulness helping for people who are grieving? Is that what we're saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think for one, it allows you to be with those feelings because if we can't be with those feelings, so I had to really allow the sadness to move through me without um, sort of like just swallowing it, you know, and creating this heaviness um, to just... Uh, uh, and and so some of it was the the just um, sitting, allowing it to arise. Um, I know this is something that's not easy if you are in deep, deep grief. But for for many of us, you know, that's something that we we can do. And then just some of the the positive psychology, you know, that I've I've um, studied a bit at the university, and um, that's tough, right? Because. Um, you know, you, we recognize, like I've, I've gone through, a, I went through a major loss a couple of years ago. And prior to that, I hadn't really been through much of a lot. I've been through losses of my grandparents and things like that, but nothing significant. And I remember finally being struck by how numb I became mm. right at the, you know, right as you find out and it was a sudden death also. Yeah. And I remember sitting, you know, getting the phone call not believing it and sitting in the corner of my dressing room, just bawling my eyes out, trying to, to kind of get space and time again. Right. And then eventually, yeah. you know, went into a kind of automatic pilot to do everything I needed to do. 
but clearly what you're saying is that it's about not shutting that down. Uh, you know, it's about, you know, I would play music. It was my younger sister. I would play music that would bring up the memories of her. And, you know, you know, at times I would be fine. And then at, at times out of nowhere, I would get a piece of music. We, we used to like Boy George when we were like 14. And then I, I purposely would sometimes play the music to be able to bring up the emotion. And I think what you're saying is a kind of traditional philosophy on the Western world. You know, people will ask you how you're doing for a bit. And then it's kind of like, if it's been three months, it's kind of like, oh, how are you doing? And the perception is that you should answer, I'm okay. And truly, right. most of us are not okay. We're functioning, but we're still feeling the pain. So what you're saying is that mindfulness is just about feeling the pain and sitting with it and not shutting it off to really distract yourself from what's happening. Yeah. And I mean, and that works for all aspects of our life, you know, just sitting with disappointment, sitting with it's practicing life. Uh, like I like to say, just in the safety of your own room, your own chair to sit and, you know, disappointments that come up to be able to just, you know, be with it instead of like, you know, um, playing it over and over again in a way that's, can be really destructive. It's, it's like um, just um, an acknowledgement, I suppose, that it's happened. Um, and then depending if it's a relationship or something, that's something you can always, what do you want it to be in the future? How do you want to change it? You can, you can practice that in your mind too. Meeting the person, what are you going to say? How are you going to react when they, um, you know, say something that hurts your feelings? That we can practice real life, you know, in the privacy of our own space. And then when we go out and we're in these situations, I think, um, um, you know, with the neural pathways, right? When you you understand a little bit about creating new neural pathways in the brain, I know for myself um, because my daughter was sick for three years. It was a long drawn out illness. And so in my mind, I kept saying, I know, she's, I, I just, I just knew she was going to die. It was just something. And, and I feel horrible um, even admitting that, but, uh, but it, that's what drove me, it drove me to find the best doctors. It drove me to do everything. It drove me to put my life on hold and care for her. Um, you know, that, that urgency of that, but I, I, I just, uh, that constant, um, fear cycling in my brain, you know, it created a neural pathway that took me to a very dark place. And so it was after her passing and the promise and everything. It's like, what I didn't realize I was doing as I sat in practice and I sat and, and you know, would reflect. You could say meditate, mindfulness, reflection, same thing. Sit and reflecting on stuff. Um, and then finding the gratitude for the good things and making plans for, for good things to happen in my life, creating a new neural pathway, you know, because we know that um, we say negative things, uh, negative things stick like Velcro and positive like Teflon, right? It slides right off, right? So, you know, we have this bank account of negative things in our life and positive. And although my understanding is we have more positive things in our lives, you know, we remember the negative things uh, more deeply. They get burned into the long term memory because of the emotion that is is there so um so we have these it looks like one one side's on overdraft you know and 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 one's completely full but if we really step back and look there are a lot more positive but 
we have to pay more attention to them. We kind of blow them off, you know. Someone says, oh, you have a nice dress. You go, oh, I bought this on sale, this old thing, you know. It's, you know, it's, so it's like a sieve, you know. This, these beautiful good things that happen to us are just, just slipping through our fingers, you know. We remember all the red lights, you know. We always uh, say we were in the longest lineup at the grocery store, you know, but we forget the person who smiled at us. So, so part of mindfulness allows us to do things like, I know whether you're journaling, like for me, you know, journaling and like I said, doing some reflection meditations and just really, and it, uh, it, it takes a conscious effort to, um, to be positive. And so I had been rewired to the dark and it wasn't a quick fix. It took a long time, you know, a year or two years to come over to be more positive. And, and again, it's not a natural thing for a lot of us. It's something that we have to really, work on it's kind of not fair but and that's the way the brain you know that we have the negativity bias you know because that was the survival right going back to prehistoric days if you made a mistake you would die but if something nice happened to you eh, you know that wasn't a big deal back then so we're wired for that our brain you know so yeah so let's let's talk a little bit about um if so let's say somebody's never tried it before <laughs> and yeah. And what are some, you know, basic things that you can do to, to kind of start? Like you talked, to, you talked already about just being grateful, right? So yeah, I often yeah. say to people, you know, sometimes I close my eyes again and then I, you know, if a negative thought comes up, I will flip it, right? And then I'll say, okay, I'm going to close my eyes again. I'm going to try this again. And then I open my eyes and I, I try to, you know, remember something positive. I'm looking outside into my, you know, the forest when I open my eyes um, I'm breathing, you know, sometimes, you know, you just, just going to some of the basic things. So you talked about gratitude. You talked about really the negativity bias, right? So as human beings, fight, flight, or freeze, we had to yeah, survive. Yeah. We did that. And now, so our, our, our instinct biologically is to go back to preserve ourselves. So even kind of trying to flip, you know, it into a positive. Um, what are some other things? You talked a little bit about reflection. So in order to reflect, do you suggest, um, breathing um or what kind of things do you kind of suggest for people to get into a reflective state yeah so if we talk about um having a mindfulness practice for that uh, well first off that you could do it anywhere that's a great thing about mindfulness you could do it on the bus you could do it walking you could do it sitting um you really don't you know you don't need fancy uh, footwear and fancy clothes and we know the benefits over eight weeks, you know, can actually, you know, change the brain, which is pretty excitement, pretty exciting to know like five to 10 minutes could do that. So uh, sitting wherever, you know, in their home, whether they find a, a place in their office or whatever. And um, like we said, uh, fo first focusing on the breath, you know, and why the breath? Because we can only breathe in the present moment, right? So as long as you use it as an anchor, uh, so even if you're excited uh, or nervous or just before you have a difficult phone call to make, just take a breath and check in, like, what is going on, you know? Check into your body, do a quick little body scan. Am I feeling tension somewhere in my body? And then just go to that area and just breathe a bit. So a simple little thing like that. Um, again, um, as you were saying, you know, just uh, having a positive reflections. You can do uh, sending loving kindness out to other people, to the world, 
Like that's like one of the best things you can do to help heal yourself is putting that focus maybe out there on those that you love, your friends, your community, or even just to absolutely everybody. Uh, so the breath, checking in on the body, you could, so enhancing a positive quality, again, doing a reframing or a pre-framing is, a, is another mindfulness that, um, that you could do. As you meditate, as you first uh, learn to meditate, maybe your first couple of weeks. So when I, when I say um, using your breath as the anchor, that's, that's just sitting there quietly with maybe your eyes uh, closed or a soft gaze and just uh, noticing the breath as it comes in through your nostril just breathe in and out and just keeping that focus there. If that uh, doesn't feel right, you could also go to the abdomen as you breathe in and out and noticing it uh, as it rises, uh, your inhalation and exhalation. After that, if, once you're pretty good with that, you can count the breaths, you can watch clouds go by. It's always a nice one. And noticing also with the clouds, um, thinking of your, your, your mind as a clear blue sky and the clouds are thoughts. So don't get engaged in the thought. So there's a, you know, so say you have a thought mm, pops into your head, which, which always happens because that's what our brain does. Uh, we think, um, so a thought comes by and uh, you say, Oh, Oh, I need bread. Well, that's fine. Just notice it and let it go. Right. But if you start adding onto the grocery list, right, and you're having coffee and milk and, you know, pasta, um, then come back and re-anchor yourself to the breath. So breath and uh, watching your thoughts as, as clouds. Um, I mean, even with young kids, you bubbles, right, placing little animals on their, on their stomach. I mean, it's wonderful to see mindfulness being used in schools. And just overall, the impact of, um, you know, when we're, when we're mindful, then we're more connected to ourselves. And then in turn, when we're more connected to ourselves, we're more connected to others. So can you, can you talk a little bit about like uh, mindfulness in workplaces and kind of some of the work you've done or, or some of the impact that you know mindfulness has done for um, work, work environments? Yes, I've been very lucky to bring it into uh, schools and some uh, workplaces. I mean, we know that, you know, stress is, you know, one of the greatest stressors, I guess, in the workplace. I think it's something like it's over a billion, $1.6 billion is lost in productivity because of stress and, um, and people not knowing um, how to deal with that. Mindfulness has, has been proven through thousands of research pieces to reduce uh, stress at work, uh, sleep, anxiety. I mean, it's good for uh, eating habits. I mean, I, I mean, you name it, it's, it's a full broad spectrum of a benefit for uh, for using mindfulness. Um, so when we typically go in and and maybe go to a place, we we like to. So when I say we, so myself and my husband, uh, Arunas and Tanita. So we have mindful solutions for change, which which works with uh, companies, organizations, and, uh, and personal uh, coaching. We like to bring in some of the the mindfulness practice plus also some of the neuroscience, because again, people need, need to understand that, 
how it works. Stuff like talking about multitasking. You know how we think multitasking is this great thing, right? Oh, wow. I mean, I used to think it was great. I could, you know, put something here and, you know, uh, unpack your groceries and wash the dishes and talk talk on the phone until, you know, you find your socks in the freezer, right? <laughs> you know, it's it just, it's going to fail. So we try to bring it into the workplace in a playful way so it's not in a strict environment. Um, they can play with it themselves. So again, you know, learning about the negativity bias, learning about multitasking, uh, creating positive mindsets, maybe doing some types of reframing, preframing exercises. If you have a difficult customer, um, like I said, difficult phone call, we have these cards that you would um, think of a quality to use and take that into the into the situation that you're going into. So that might be patience or kindness or forgiveness or you know a quality that they might not think to rely on when they typically interact with somebody. So giving them a different lens to look through. So that's sort of a piece of it. What else? Uh, so we do some meditations. I mean, we know now that um, the new lens that they're looking at leadership are these you know what are considered soft qualities, right? which is having compassion in the workplace, the understanding, being able to cooperate with people. You know, all of these things are critical, you know, as equal to an education job experience. You know, we're look, they're looking now, they've, you know, expanded this as this is something important. I mean, Google, Harvard, you know, all of these large corporations, their general mills, et cetera, uh, are bringing in a mindfulness practice. It's allowing people to uh, take even take a break, you know, taking a 15-minute break to just go sit quietly away from, you know, the busy activity at the workplace allows you to go back and be stronger, you know, and, uh, and more present. Um, it certainly helps with um, gossiping and um, conflict, so just overall, like, I mean, if you look at the impact of stress in different work environments and, you know, stress is one of the biggest, like you said, $1.6 billion, right? And every industry and, and sector or schools, if you think about, you know, like um, with the schools and the, the amount of kids that are struggling with the mental health at a really young age, which, yeah. you know, so they're not, whether there's stuff going on, they don't know how to quiet their mind, so just to think of the gift, naturally, I think when you see most children, they kind of know how to do that, but it's almost like they unlearn it. So it's almost like reacquainting them yes. with that concept, because I think naturally, if I think of my son, I would look at him and I would see him so completely being in the moment. And then you could see as he started to be a little bit older, how he, he was just shifting up because he was so much more conscious of everything. And then it was the opposite of kind of when he was younger. You know, and really, you know, if you think about the claims that we're seeing for mental health, really, and stress being one of the biggest causes, you know, whether it's, it's anxiety and depression, whether it's biological or not, it's really, it's quite kind of the thing that I think most of us need to learn today to do well. And to your point, it need not be something that's really, really long, like long in length. It could be as little as, let me try this for five minutes so I can look at the sky and clear my mind and, and let things pass by. But at first, I, I would you agree that it's, it's difficult if you've not done it because you think you're doing it wrong. So with people that are having difficulty, what kind of, what kind of words of, of um, guidance would you give them? Yeah, it's funny because when they first sit to meditate, sometimes the thoughts get worse. Right, busy, busy, busy mind. 
and they tend to want to blame it on the meditation. Okay, she made me sit here, and now I'm really, really bad, my mind. But if, if you think of it as um, driving down a highway, and you're in a car, and you're going 120 miles an hour, okay, maybe not, because that's not the speed limit. You're going 100, okay. and everyone around you is going 100. You really don't feel like you're moving, right? You're just kind of, oh, yeah, driving, right? But then you get a flat tire, and you pull over, and then all of a sudden you look up and all the cars are going zoom, 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 right? It's flying by you because you've stopped for that moment. So it's kind of like, that's what it feels like when you first start meditating. It's like, oh man, they're coming, they're coming. And they're, um, yeah, for some people they may want to quit, but I always advise them don't. And don't, again, part of mindfulness is don't judge because you're not always going to have a perfect sit. Although the idea is, you know, once you're a little more familiar is to always get up again a little earlier than, than you want to. So then you, then you want to sit down again and, and sit quietly. So, so again, just understand that that's just the mind and nothing's wrong, I think is the best thing. And the ability just to like, say if they just start counting. So, so I would say, you know, just count from one to 10. If your mind wanders, start back to one again. Use that as your anchor, can't want to stand foot wanders, keep coming back. And, and part of that is knowing that we can always start over again in anything in the workplace. When we make a mistake, anything, we can always come back to a new beginning. And I think that's a powerful point of mindfulness too, you know, because we always think this, you know, this is over because, you know, I did this one thing, but no, we can always start over again, start fresh. Yeah, so companies that are having, which we know, like you said, if it's you know as high as it is in reference to um, money's lost, for companies that are thinking about implementing um, mindfulness, what kind of what are some of the things that they should look into or consider to to implement a uh, mindfulness program? It's really helpful to have mindfulness from the top down. You know that the leaders are doing it, and then they're leading by example, and you know once you've gone in a retreat or something, someone you'll come back and they'll be like, what's different about you? Did you do something with your hair? Like, like there's something, right? So definitely if you can, I think, or everyone should be included in the opportunity of taking some mindfulness training. Just like you wouldn't ask one of your employees, I think to teach Italian, give them a book and say, no, no, teach it. I don't think it's, a great thing to just give someone a book on mindfulness and say, teach it. I think the person needs to know a little bit more. They need to be trained somewhere on mindfulness and, and, and have their own practice so that they really embody it. And there's some authenticity. I, I know in school, it won't, won't pass the smell test with the kids. You know, if you're not really living it, you know, yes. you're kid and um, you're yelling and screaming at the kids, it's not going to work or at work. Like we know at work, and, and, and I was in the army, so like we yelled at all the time, right? And we were, I don't want to say fear-driven, but it was always very important. We were doing follow orders, you know, especially you're out in the field. But I think in the workplace, that doesn't work when someone's hammering at you or humiliating you or, or something like that. That, you know, that old school, I want to call it. Um, I know I had some teachers like that in elementary school going way back. Um, put you in the corner, put gum on your nose, something like that. I mean, that way of humiliating people just doesn't work anymore. So we have to have that mindset of um, equanimity and uh, working with others and, and that these are qualities of mindfulness. So, I mean, there, there are, 
you know, having presence. I mean, um, and I don't know him off the top of my head, but John Kabat-Zinn, you know, he has the seven qualities of mindfulness. So, you you know, it just really trans can transform you. Mm-hmm. And when it transforms you, it transforms your workplace. It transforms you at home because at work, you can't forget about home. And at home, you can't forget about work. So you, you can't try to solve this on one side, right? People are stressed. They're worried. They're... Um, we have more going on in our lives right now than ever before. Mm-hmm. And so even if they do the five minutes, even if uh, in the workplace they provide a, a space for them to just go and sit, but bringing someone in would be helpful, even even as simple as, you know, ringing a bell, you know, just to be calm, uh, the little tricks like like cards during a meeting. So everyone sets an intention before they start, an intention that's uh, uh, a quality to be kind or to be patient or to show respect, mm-hmm. you know, and then it just keeps tumbling and carrying forward. It's, it's, it it's so, sounds so simple, I think, because now it used to be kind of thought of as woo-woo kind of thing, right? But now people are recognizing with the levels of stress that we're seeing across the board. And of course, stress like gets defined in different ways, anxiety, depression. Um, you know, we'll see a pe- lot more people with sleeplessness, a lot, you know, lots of things are out of kilter. Like your point is if I'm more relaxed or able to kind of, I'll, I call it in I say it's almost like an emotional release of indigestion in a way mm-hmm. of emotions, right? So if I'm, if I can kind of, kind of sift it off and let it go as much as I can daily, then I'm able to focus more uh, with a clear mind. But if my, if I'm kind of, you know, packing it in and then I try to kind of, you know, keep at that level at some point, something's got to give. And I, you know, in our workplace today, you know, gone are the days with it's mostly physical. We know what we use. You and I, in our past as keynote speakers and trainers and coaches, we're using our brain all the time. Well, guess what? Our brain's going to get tired and stressed, right? It needs, it's, it needs a relaxation. And to the point that how, how, do we, how do we learn how to do that? We have to go to people that do it all the time. They live it. They may have high-powered situations. They've been there, done that, but they actually embody that whole concept of relaxation. Um, so I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing that you're doing out there um, in the workplaces and schools, schools more than ever, I think, uh, to your point, start really, really young as something that's a given. But on the other end of with it, with leadership, you know, we know that if we see our leader engaging in something um, that's positive, we're going to more than likely follow his guide, here's her guide. But if they're, you know, not following that, you know, it's kind of, we, there's a less of an expectation that any of us should follow the guidance of, of our leader. So Sharon, I'm sure people probably want to learn more. They may have maybe events coming up for speaking, um, or they may want to reach out and uh, potentially look at um, training um, in mindfulness. Where can they get a hold of you? And I'm sure people would love to reach out. So they can get a hold of me at Mindful Solutions for Change. So that is the website. Um, but, I, but I also offer that there's so much online, some wonderful programs um, that they are able to, to go on and, and, and download uh, meditations, reflections, and that there's Mindfulness Hamilton, Mindfulness Toronto. Um, but definitely if you're looking at something for corporations or you know, and you, and you want someone to come in, then that's certainly something we can do. Um, 
So Mindful Solutions for Change at, and the number is 905-818-7871. Yeah, we really, we're really passionate. We, we love to go in and see big changes. We worked with one company for almost a year, just going in once or twice a month. And they were running a resilience program. And, and when they um, did a, an audit of all the participants, they said, what was the one most important piece of, of this work we've done all year? And they said it was bringing in the mindfulness instructors. So, so we were, yeah, we were happy to hear that. Oh, that's amazing stuff. Well, Sharon, a pleasure. Thanks so much. Um, it, it really, you know, makes me reflect on my own practice and I know I, I do it and then I don't and things like that, how important it is. And so for everyone listening, please reach out to Sharon if you have any needs. And I guess to, to, to the leaders um, or the teachers out there, you know, uh, just think that you are, you are the, the one that people look up to. You are the one that we're looking to, to take your guide. So really to, um, if you've not tried it, um, you know, really consider, you know, like uh, Sharon saying, going online and trying to start to even try it for five minutes here or there and um, start to see if you can increase it. And um, our breath, to your point, keeps us present. Start there. That's really, really basic. And as you start to do that, it gets a little bit easier. So uh, for anyone wanting more information on me, I can be reached at roxanderhodge.com. I'm a mental health and wellness specialist and a keynote speaker, trainer, and coach. So again, Sharon, thanks a lot for your time. And for everyone listening, thanks for tuning in. And we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxannederhage.com slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.